Hi, I'm Hi there, I'm Claudia, a content creator, photographer, and change maker hailing from Hong Kong. Welcome back to my podcast, Up to Some Good, where I interview inspiring entrepreneurs and change makers who do good for the environment and our community. We'll chat about everything from their eureka moments, their life lessons, to how they integrate social good and sustainability into their businesses and everyday lives. This is a special episode because I have two guests with me today. They are Peter Pang and Emma Wong from Maker Bay. Maker Bay is a creative facility offering engineers, designers, scientists, and all types of creators the space to experiment and build new products. The founder, Caesar Yong Harada, established the space around five years ago with the goal of encouraging social innovation and providing a space for creators to learn from each other. Hi, Peter and Emma. Thank you for joining me today. For listeners who don't know about Maker Bay, can you tell us a little bit more about what Maker Bay is and your roles within the company? Hi, I'm Peter. Uh, so, Maker Bay is a co-working space and a co-working workshop with uh, tools for woodwork, metalwork, fabric, leather, and some digital equipment. So, we allow people to come in. Um, almost like a gym where they can pay monthly or daily and come in to fabricate or uh, spend the time on something they like to do. And normally um, my role is to teach some workshops, uh, whether inside Maker Bay, uh, in schools, in corporate environments, or sometimes in youth center in the community. I just have a quick question. So what, what, what's the age range of the people that normally join your workshops? Um, so it's a bit special for me because uh, I joined Maker Bay because of a very special project and uh, most of the people who join my workshop age between 15 to 24. Uh, that's very odd because I'm only 25 so I'm teaching someone only a year younger than me. That's always good to learn from each other. And Emma, can you also tell us a bit about your, wo- your role within the company? Um, actually, I'm doing two projects. One is Ocean Youth and the other one is about the Lantau Island. And in my rules, it's around to build up the communications with each other, just like the outside people or our, our staff. And also, I will base on my knowledge because I study the environmental science. So I will, I will give my knowledge to the other people and to tell them more about the ocean or the uh, about the envi- environment. Oh, I see. So Maker Bay has a lot of different initiatives from the workshops to, to bigger projects and campaigns. How do you come up with this sort of the different types of campaigns? Um, sometimes we don't come up with it. Um, people come to us and say, hey, we've got this idea can Maker Bay help us or can we cooperate and make some good to this initiative? Um, sometimes we think of something very interesting or personally feel uh, very important and then we approach um, either our superior or the founder and say, hey, we've got this idea, we think it's worth exploring, can we do something in Maker Bay as a project? And things normally take off this way. Um, and we also get some funder which is very nice to us and and give us enormous support into doing many many things like um, 
the ocean project that Emma was talking about? Yeah, so I know that you guys are have just started a new project called Hong Kong Ocean Youth. Can you tell me a bit more about this project and how that came about? Um, so this project is actually a very um, old project we had in our mind. Um, I think it was three or four years ago where Cesar with his friend called Eddie and Ken uh, came up with an idea to uh, build a machine with AI technology, machine learning capability and all singing dancing equipments with it that can map corals uh, around the world. And the reason for doing that is because um, we found out that normally when we want to see how many corals live in a coral reef, it takes about a decade to, to actually count how many corals, how diverse they are in the, in the reef. And by the time we finish counting, the information normally is not up to date because we spend such a long time diving. Oh my goodness. Yeah, like That's we, crazy. We have to take literally a bunch of PVC tubes and then make it into mm -hmm. squares dive into the water and then see how many corals are there within that grid of, of, of the reef. And it's just not really it's not sustainable. sustainable. It, it's just not going to happen. By the time we finish mapping, maybe they're all gone. And, right. and Caesar with his friend has this idea to use a machine to do the job. So it'd be quicker, it'd be cheaper, and it's just more efficient. And by the time we get the data, it will be very up to date and scientists, very professional scientists can use the data and do something incredible with it. So this is why That's amazing. Um, this is why we had this project a long time ago. And since November, we had a chance to get some uh, funding. Since November 2019. Uh, yes, November mm -hmm. 2019, we've got some funding and then we can actually uh, explore the possibility of having local people or young enthusiastic people to join in and help us to create this um, drone, ROV drone, and see if there's anything good that we can take from the, from the youngs in, in Hong Kong. So um, we try to find people who likes the ocean, who likes the coral, uh, who knows a lot about corals and, and oceans to help us. We also want to see if people are generally just interested in this topic. So they don't know a lot about corals, ocean, but they want to use us as a platform to learn some new things. So before the idea of the ocean drone, was there any technology to help speed up the process or was everything like what you said done manually until the idea of the ocean drone? So even currently, because the ocean drone is not invented properly yet, it's still done manually? Um, so we know that there are companies outside of us making ROV. Uh, they're not uh, the, Sorry, coral. what is ROV? Uh, ROV, it's, it's the technical term for, for a drone. So I see, okay. When, when, we, when we talk with uh, the engineers, they like the term ROV, they don't like drones because it, it sounds professional. Uh, <laughs> but ba basically, we developed this thing, this drone uh, specifically for corals. We know that there are companies outside, w they, they make drones for leisure activities, they, they do it for uh, ocean environment mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. general, but not really specifically for corals. And um, I know there's... Uh so before the idea of the ocean drone, was there any technology to help speed up the process or was everything like what you said done manually until the idea of the ocean drone so even currently because the ocean drone is not invented properly yet it's still done manually um so 
we know that there are companies outside of us making ROV. Uh, they're not. Uh, Sorry, what is ROV? Uh, ROV, it's it's the technical term for for a drone. So I see. Okay. When when we when we talk with uh, the engineers, they like the term ROV. They don't like drones because it it sounds professional. Uh, but ba basically, we develop this thing, this drone, uh, specifically for corals. We know that there are companies outside. W they they make drones for leisure activities. They they do it for uh, ocean environment mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. general, but not really specifically for corals. And um, I know there's uh, two very um, special experts in Hong Kong who map corals by very traditional methods. Um, they evolved by <laughs> not using PVC tube but using a, a laser crawl. Um, measuring, devi measuring device, uh, which is basically um, equipment that you can buy from some Shopee electronics shop uh, with an iPhone case, iPhone camera, and then and then uh, measure the reef with that uh, device. But still, it's very it's a f still very manual mm -hmm. process. Someone still have to dive into the ocean yeah. okay. with another person taking a camera, uh, diving in to help them uh, wow. record the. The images. I didn't know it was such a complicated process. So Emma, I know you said you're you have a background in and the environment, and you studied uh, environmental impact and environmental sciences. Can you tell me a bit more about how why it's so important to be saving coral reefs right now? Because I know that the humans are are causing a lot of negative impact on the coral reefs, and a lot of them will a lot of coral species will become extinct soon. Yes, because uh, just like on the land, we have the forest and also have many animals and plants in the forest and they have their own ecosystem in there. Coral reef is the same because they can, uh, they can save many animals, fish in there and also have some turtles will clean them themselves and keep their healthy on the coral reef. So that is quite important in the ocean. Mm -hmm. So that's why uh, coral reef is important. And but because of the pollutions and human activities, just like we do some uh, sunshine cream, uh, it will block the UV and let the corals cannot breathe anymore. Oh, right. So that's why uh, they were going to breaching mm -hmm. and they it's were going bleached, to die. Right? Yeah. yeah, I know that sunscreen actually really negatively, the chemicals in sunscreen affect the coral negatively a lot. Is there, actually, can you tell me a bit more about that and maybe brands that you recommend that don't do as much harm to the, to the coral reefs? Sometimes we use the uh, sunshine cream is the chemical. Actually, we have some natural coral, uh, just like you can protect the corals. That cream you can use to block the UV by yourself. That is the coconut coconut oil. oil. Yeah. Oh, can coconut oil be used as sunscreen? Yes. That's so interesting. I didn't know that. So you, yeah. do you need to add anything to the mixture or? Actually, no lead because that is the natural one and okay. in normal they they already help to the the coconuts to block the uv and to protect the plant 
Oh wow, yeah. that's fascinating. Okay, that's that's something that I'll definitely try my next、uh, beach trip. So if they're interested in the program, we're very happy to invite them to any one of our screenings.、Uh, actually, we had one screening with Ethan HK on、uh, in the theater room, and、um, normally the process would be they go to the screening and then、uh, we'll invite them to the same Eventbrite link to the to the workshop. And after the workshops and the screenings,、uh, we have a very intense selection process where we will find.、Um, Can't say how many, but we'll find a groups of youth、um, who we think has great potential、um, in creativity, and they're enthusiastic about、uh, protecting the ocean.、Um, they'll get a chance to get a paddy license.、Um, I think it was open water,、uh, open water paddy license for free, and they might have a chance to go to the Philippines to actually、uh, snorkel dive or uh, uh, scuba dive to、uh, watch some corals. That is、corals. so exciting. What is the age limit for this?、Um, the age limit currently it's、uh, between thirteen years old to twenty-four years old. That's because、um, if it's if they're too young, we are afraid that they can't really scuba dive at the moment. Oh, okay. So,、uh, what about after the they get the scuba diving license? Can you tell me more about the pro- the step afterwards? Yeah. So after the scuba diving lessons is where it really. Take off. The program really starts to fly.、Um, we are separating the youth into three different teams. We have art team, design team, and engineering team. So、uh, each team would be responsible for doing、uh, a specific project.、Uh, the engineering team will be working on the drones that we talked about.、Um, the art team would use art as a medium to communicate、uh, the message of. Uh, coral conservation and ocean environment, and the design team would be working on a publication.、Uh, it would be a book at the moment, but we're thinking maybe we can build a website of it. And they are also going to work on setting up exhibitions on December 2020. And、um, that is so exciting. So this 18 months program, it's all about those youths. That we talked about, who learn screen,、uh, who, who learn scuba diving, who who prepare for exhibitions and make the drones. This is about them.、Mm-hmm. What? When is this program starting, or has has it already started? So it has already started for a few months.、Um, officially, it starts on first of November, and it would end on first of January, twenty twenty one. And at the moment, we are on. Um, the screening and workshop stage, where we would go and find interesting places in Hong Kong,、uh, chill environment for them to do screenings, to do workshops, and、um, so far we have、uh, quite a good turnout. We are quite happy about it. And、uh, of course, it's such、yeah. an exciting project, and, and I've never—it's unheard of in Hong Kong. Yeah, last time, last time I was with Yan here、um, doing a screening, and that was incredible because、um, the theater space was like. So cozy, and then so many people turn up. And, and what what were you screening?、Uh, we were screening、uh, a Netflix original called、uh, Chasing Corals,、mm-hmm. and it's it's very emotional. The movie is very emotional. I I think、um, I've been I've been watching this for seven or eight times, and out of those seven or eight times, I probably teared up three or four times. Oh my goodness! I need to watch that. So Chasing Corals. Is this a new documentary on Netflix? That's not very new, but、um, it's. I can put it this way: it's a se- it's a second season or second episode of the same sort of 
documentary. The first one is called Chasing Ice. Um, and then um, the Chasing Coral team basically found the director of Chasing Ice and fought um, the social the social or environmental issue between uh, ice melting and coral bleaching is very similar. And mm-hmm. they came up with the idea to do uh, a similar documentation, uh, documentation called Chasing Corals. Oh, I see. Okay, I definitely need to to watch those two documentaries. So I actually want to understand a little bit more about the members because there's so many different types of creators and thinkers who are involved in Maker Bay. How do people get involved? Is it by invite or anyone who's who's interested can sign up uh, you to mean, be a member? You mean uh, Ocean Youth specifically or Maker Bay? Maker Bay, Maker Bay. Yeah. So Maker um, Bay, it's very special in a way that it it feels like a gym where people can come in sign up for a period of time uh, a month a day a weekend or half a year and they get to use the machine inside just like a gym and some other people prefer not to pay uh, but also use the facility, they can come in um, almost like an expert or as a, as an instructor where they spend time in Mecca Bay um, doing induction classes, teaching members how to use specific tools, how to learn new skills. And in exchange, they get free membership in, in right. Mecca Bay to, to use the machines, the facility. So like a, and A knowledge exchange. Yeah, um, knowledge exchange is actually the crucial part of, of Mecca Bay, why we want to share space with other people, it's, it's the exchange of knowledge, basically. And some other people also decide to come in as a, as a corporate community or school community where they pay uh, some people um, an am- amount of money and then they would learn a specific workshop, for example, design thinking. They might spend a week with us um, explore, exploring the ideas of design thinking. They might spend two weeks with us uh, trying to do some very cool woodwork project, uh, installation art, etc., etc. So um, these are the three ways people normally engage with uh, Mecca Bay. Right. I love the, I'm really interested in the idea of design thinking because Hong Kong's education system is actually known to be quite results and grades focused yeah. and not very creative at all. Do you think this this sort of education system will directly affect how the adults think and turn out? Um, I think we we are already affected by it uh, in some sense. So um, so I in my degree I studied design, and uh, my mother is not very concerned about that because she's more liberal. She thinks that uh, kids should explore what they like and just go for it. But my father is a bit more traditional and he constantly asked me how you're gonna make money from design so if you just make a really nice artwork how are people gonna pay you how how will they pay you and he's more for me doing like medical science uh, finance or business yes I absolutely understand I think many Asian mentality and I think many parents are still uh, thinking that way so if you're not doing uh, finance, if you're not doing um, medicine or if you're not learning about laws, uh, they're worried about your future. And this is, I think, uh, the education system can do a lot more in this in this area is to educate people how are they going to build their life, not necessarily earn money, but build their life from different areas of, of expertise. 
So even if you cook food, you can be very successful. You can you can have your own life around food. Um, I happen to choose design, and I feel like I'm partly um, doing what I want to do, and that's already good enough. And I think we should learn more about these things in school. So this is. The the design thinking mindset is also something you want to inject into the students, apart from the the actual technical skills, right? Um, so design thinking is is a new term. So when when I was in design school, uh, there's no such thing as design thinking. Uh, but design thinking is more about um, caring about the stuff that you really care about, and to start from what you care, and develop a solution to uh, solve the problem. This thing, it's very abstract to, to, to a lot of newcomers, but they will slowly understand more about A themselves and the problem they're looking into. And I think that's really important because um, in Hong Kong, our education system makes us a very good problem solver, but we rarely see a problem to begin with. Right. And, and design thinking really can help you to find a problem. Or, or maybe find oh. an area of interest that you might not have seen before. Mm -hmm. So if I give you a math equation, you quickly solve it in, in Hong Kong. They quickly solve it because they learn about the equation. They know how to do calculation. But they can't really think about coming up with a new equation for some other people to solve or think about a new mm -hmm. equation to solve by themselves. So and it's about thinking backwards, almost reverse engineering the thinking so that they're starting from the problem instead of just finding a solution to it because in, people in, in a way in a way yes mm -hmm. that's that's part of what design thinking can give you uh, in another way as well is for you to find something that you really care about so you can you can use your problem solving techniques and, and experience to solve that problem you found earlier right 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 oh I also have another question about I know that Hong Kong Ocean Youth is, is a project that you guys are currently working on. Um, is there Are there any products that you've developed at Maker Bay that are already out in the market that are invented by a group of people working together um, at Maker Bay? Uh, so Emma is actually um, an artist because she doesn't... She told me she wasn't in art school, but she's very good in art. And I'll probably let Emma to do the talking because she made that incredible stamp and and those recycled paper. It's not actually yes, a, please, a product. It's not, it's not a product, but, but um, I'll, let, I'll let Emma introduce the, the stamp. Hi, um, actually, the stamp is made by myself. We handcraft to make the stamps. And so this is a stamp for uh, you can stamp on, on the just like the notebook or your calendar right uh, just at the beginning that is for fun and because I like the ocean so I would like to promote the ocean so I, I would try to use the stamps to tell the people what is the ocean talking about and telling them about the ocean story and based on this so uh, that's why we, we put the stamp and the recycled paper in the ocean youth. We, we try to do the workshop uh, to teach the people how to make the stamp or uh, how to use the stamp on the 
recycled paper. So what is the stamp made of? Uh, that is the rubber. Rubber. Right, so it's made of rubber, and then you, you have a workshop where you teach students or, or adults about yes. h- how to make the stamp. Yeah. And also educate them about the ocean at the same time. Yeah. So after, so you, this is one of the products that you created recently. Yes. And this is part of the Hong Kong Ocean Youth Project as well. Yes. I see, I see. And is the stamp made of recycled equipment? Uh, actually, not really. But because that is, uh, you can use for a long time. It's not uh, after you make it and then use one or two times and then you can throw it. But no, it's, we, we are sustainable for, for you can use the stamp to tell the other people about the story. Oh, I see. So your stamp says save the reefs on it. Can you tell me if, say, Hong Kong, the listeners want to do something to help save the reef? What is the first thing you, sh- they, you think they should do? Just one simple thing that they can do to help save the reefs? Um, well, just because before we go to this um, question, um, actually, I need to say something about the stamp, is uh, you know, that wood block behind the stamp, that's actually the offcut from, from uh, Mecca Bay Workshop. So they are the wood which would normally go to landfill or be thrown away, and then it, it's, it's getting reused in this workshop. Um, the rubber, which uh, the stamp, the actual stamp, the rubber is actually um, good fit for stationaries. So any offcuts can be used as an actual eraser. And so. Oh, I see. So th- you mean the rubber for the stamp can be used as an yes, eraser? Yes, can, can be used after as an yeah. After they finish yeah, using so the stamp. Let's say you, you cut some bits off, which is not part of the stamp, you can use that as an eraser. Okay, so, so it is. Emma actually recyclable. had a few in, in her uh, pencil case uh-huh. uh, d- on a day to day basis. And, and the paper as well, of course, the paper is recycled paper. So they're the papers that we use for printing and then uh, for documentation. And then after we use it, we recycle it into a new piece of paper. So this workshop is actually uh, our first workshop. And we're quite anxious to see how people react to this idea. Right. And for listeners who are interested in participating in the workshop, how can they sign up and how can they find, more, find out more about the workshop? Um, we have a Facebook page called uh, Hong Kong Ocean Youth. Um, we also have an Eventbrite account uh, with Mecca Bay. So um, we will regularly post new events on Eventbrite and they will get linked to Facebook events. And it's very simple. You can just click um, I'm interested and then they will ask you how many tickets you want. And because Hong Kong Ocean Youth is a non-profit project, so we won't charge anything for, for the workshop. So I know Maker Bay is has a lot of different initiatives and Ocean Youth is is a recent one. Do you guys have a vision for any other projects you want to be initiating uh, this year? Um, There's one that we're working on, but um, a ship should leak on the top. I don't know how many information I can disclose. Okay. Um, okay. But uh, we we are very involved in STEM education. Um, we, We think that's one thing that Hong Kong schools should deserve. and For people who don't know much about STEM education, can you briefly describe what that is? STEM is actually an acronym. It stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Art, and Mathematics. And it's basically a means of learning these subjects without 
too many books and more um, experience and hands-on opportunity. Um, so most of the time when we talk about STEM, um, people would think about 3D printing something uh, to play with or making some paper models that can explain somehow some science laws or, or physics theory. This is what STEM education is trying to teach um, and an opportunity for students to learn outside from the books. And Makabay is a maker space and we're very into this um, idea yeah, of developing, yeah, developing the, the, the philosophy of doing and trial by error and learn from your mistakes. Mm -hmm. So we, we're very into the STEM education. Okay. And do you know whether STEM education is something that's quite popular around the world or in, in any other country right now? STEM education starts in America, I believe. And um, when I was studying in England, it was already a thing that doesn't need a special name. So uh, when, when we have geography class, we go on hiking, we go to the Lake District and, and learn about rivers on site. Um, in Taiwan, it's also a very uh, uh, important uh, mm -hmm. program. In Hong Kong, it's less of a of a thing right because like but what it, we discussed yeah. but it's, it's definitely taking off uh, government mm -hmm. starts to talk about stem mm -hmm. education uh, people generally are, are interested in this idea and they want to explore the possibility of, mm -hmm. of stem education um, yeah so it is it is starting to be a thing in in the world yeah and i think that's so important because as a kid you just want to do everything hands-on and sometimes just being stuck in a classroom trying to to be asked to regurgitate information is definitely not the best way to learn at all yeah and, and it's just boring i mean yeah. for, um for especially for uh, what we call sen students th those uh, special needs students mm -hmm. maybe they suffer from a mild adhd or maybe they lose focus easily it's just so difficult for them to learn from books mm -hmm. and, and it's it's close to impossible for them to get good grades in, in the current education system. It's just impossible. Exactly, exactly. So to just finish off, I want to ask a few questions that I ask all of my guests at Up To Some Good. First of all, if I gave Maker Bay a billion dollars right now, what would you do with that billion dollars? Um, so I'm not the founder, <laughs> and I might give the wrong answer to this um, question, hypothetical question. Uh, but if we get a billion dollars, um, one thing I would really want to do is set up the third site in uh, for Mecca Bay. So we have the one, third site. Yeah, the third site. We have one in PMQ. That's in Hong Kong Island. We have one in Chinwan. That's new territories. But I think it would be great if we have one in Kowloon Peninsula. So the sites are for the workshops to, um, to be held. Yes. Okay. So you would want one in Kow Kowloon Peninsula. Peninsula. Yeah, that would be that would be great because um, I think I'll be a bit selfish in this. I live in Kowloon, and it's <laughs> it's a big commitment for me to go to Hong Kong okay. Island or, or New Territories. Okay, okay, no, that's fair enough. Um, and the second question. Okay, maybe I can start. Um, I like spending money. Um, I spend a lot of money. Uh, so just now I had lunch, which shouldn't cost that much. Because uh, I ran the math afterwards, I found out I spend more um, on the lunch than what I could earn in an hour. <laughs> uh, and 
every end of the month I found out that I have to pay for my credit card and normally I won't have enough to pay. <laughs> well, but I mean, food is always a good way to spend your money. You need to fill your tank first in order to help save the world, right? Yes, <laughs> but I spend a lot on clothes and <laughs> on toys. I love toys. On um, toys? Uh, Legos, scale models. Um, so you were born yeah. to be a creator? Yes. Um, anything I can put my hands on, I probably wouldn't let go. <laughs> what about you, Emma? What's your guilty pleasure? Um, for me, it's about the cat. Because uh, I got the cat in Taiwan, but I haven't bring her back. So but you adopted a cat from Taiwan? Yeah. That's but so exciting. Because I study in Taiwan, I live in Taiwan around five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she stayed with me around five years. But because I saw her stay very stable on there, and then I think, mm, maybe you feel good in Taiwan. It's better than you come back to Hong oh Kong. No, so you have a long distance relationship with your cat right now. Yes. <laughs> How long have you been separated from her? Um, last year around December, I back mm-hmm, to Taiwan mm-hmm. and then right. uh, live with her around okay. one month. So your guilty guilty pleasure is is to spend money on your cat. Yes. Okay, that's really sweet. I don't even know if that's a guilty pleasure. I don't <laughs> consider spending money on my dog as a guilty pleasure. I think it's just a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> the last question is: What is one individual or business that you think has been up to some good recently? Um. I wouldn't pick an individual or a business, but there is a program um, I really want to talk about. Um, one of the reasons is because MakerBay is also part of the program, but the second reason is because it is a very big program that really worth mentioning, and I think the potential impact would be would be bigger than we thought. So this is a program called Youth Create. It's initiated by um, a groups of youth center. Um, from different organizations, so YWCA, YMCA, BGCA, so on and so forth, uh, with Jockey Club and um, a groups of uh, creative studios like Mecca Bay um, and Good Labs, uh, in all together. So this program is a three years project where we use our skills, maker skills, art skills, social science, social tech, and we go to local community in youth center and transfer our skills to the youth and see if the youth can use the skills to build something or improve their own community uh, or their own living areas. And we are now approaching the last year of the program. So um, all 16 youth centers and uh, four collaborators, including Chinese University Hong Kong and Jockey Club are seeing the end of this program. And honestly, I'm very interested to see um, how all youth center are doing and how they all ended up um, in the program. Oh my goodness, that's fascinating. I've never, I didn't know about this project or program before. So for people who are interested in this program, is there another batch? Will, will, will you be starting another program, another four-year program? Um, so Jockey Club has already said um, they, they are looking into the possibility of Youth Create 2.0 or a continuation of this program. And um, I speak to a, a lot of uh, collaborators in that program. You can call it competitors, but we are all looking at the possibility of bringing that into public school as well. Mm-hmm. So we can only imagine um, this as a stepping stone. You've created as, as a stepping stone, and it might grow really, really big and really, really successful. Wow, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. Thank you.
So this is the end of today's podcast. Thank you so much again, Peter and Emma, for joining me today. Thank you. Can you tell us again about how we can be uh, listeners who are interested in Hong Kong Ocean Youth can can be part of the selection process or can find out more about it? Yep. Um, we have a website, uh, uh, mechabay.org, and inside there's a tab called Hong Kong Ocean Youth, and we try our best to put all the information in our website. Uh, we also have Facebook page and Instagram page. You can search us by HK Ocean Youth, uh, all in one word. And uh, we will be hosting some screenings and workshop, and we'll promote it through our social media and our Eventbrite link. If you're interested, you can go into Eventbrite and Facebook to have a look. Um, for the unlucky people who are above 24 years old or below 13 years old, we're still very happy for any form of collaboration. So uh, if you're an expert or if you know something that you think uh, we might not know, uh, drop us a message on Facebook. Uh, we reply uh, normally within an hour. I guess I'm part of the, the people who are interested but not within the age range. But I, I will definitely look into it because it's a very fascinating project. And I also am very passionate about sustainability and conserving the oceans. So thank you again for joining me. I'll be back next week to inspire you with more engaging conversations with individuals who are up to some good. If you have a chance, please head to Eaton Radio's Mixcloud to like and share this podcast with changemakers just like you. Thank you again for joining me.